everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Dearney. <laughs> My name's Colin. <laughs> My name's Matt. <laughs> if everyone else is going to laugh, then I'm going to laugh. Uh, so this week we're starting the next round of three of uh, Oscar-themed picks, and these are ones that weren't nominated, but we feel should have been. Um... And to start us off is a portrait of a lady on fire. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is a fun category for especially this particular one uh, for a couple reasons. One, it's just it's so recent. Uh, and two, mm-hmm. it's Tierney's pick, but Tierney's never seen it before. <laughs> so she was just like banking on what Matt and I said about it when she picked this one. So I'm yeah. very curious uh, what you think. And I mean, we can talk a little bit more about it later uh, when we get to our awards conversation. But like, do you think it should have been nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what else, what year what this was, or what else was in the category. <laughs> okay. Last year, so it like was, Parasite? Yeah, it was oh. like the Parasite year. Hmm. What we, can talk was, more, we, we can talk yeah, more about I'd it later. I was just curious. What, what was on there, because I'm pretty sure there were a couple where I was like, mm, they could go. Uh, <laughs> I think I probably agree with that. Because, yeah, okay, well, we'll talk about that in the category. But I, for, I literally forgot everything else that wasn't Parasite. Because I know else it was mattered. Jojo Rabbit was one I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's all I really remember. There's well, one very very clear one that I am so happy to kick out and put Portrait of a Lady on Fire in its place. But again, we can get to that later. We'll get to it later. Terry, right. what did you think of the movie? You'd never seen it before. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah. I thought it was a good movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how detailed we want to go. Wow. What, how detailed we want to go into it at the moment. Um, that seems fair. But I thought it was good. Uh, I wish I lived there. Um, <laughs> I guess right I, by water. I guess I could go through my my list of four things. Uh, well, we don't have to get into your notes yet. I was just curious, like as like a starting point, just to hear what you generally thought. Just bang them all out right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, at minimum it should have been nominated and probably won for Best Cinematography. Hell yeah. Um, because the lighting and is perfect and the camera work is brilliant and every shot mm-hmm. looks like a painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I believe is intentional. Yes. I'm assuming it's intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't done any research. <laughs> yeah. What I'll also say about this, like, three category of uh, stuff that should have been nominated. I would say, like, critically, there's a case for all three movies that we've picked. Yeah. Uh, And this one, I think, yeah, even with Tyranny not seeing it, I think, like, sight unseen, the reviews were so glowing. And, like, the the, uh, talk about this movie was so positive that it is surprising that it wasn't nominated because it has all those things going for it. Um, but yeah, that was just a side comment on the general category. But yeah. yeah well, agree. so Matt, you and I had seen this before. And I think mm-hmm. I saw yeah. it before you. And so this was one where mm-hmm. it, like people like you two and people oh, listeners 
listeners to our podcast. Global, (laughs) worldwide (laughs) listeners. Our listeners across the globe. Some of you don't understand what we're saying because we're speaking a different language than you are. Hey, don't, you know, don't count out having uh, bilingual listeners across the world. That's fair. In America, if we were speaking any other language besides English, no one would understand (laughs) that. That's true. But in other countries, they likely do. Um... But yeah, so, so just, this movie... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just... A, I was getting ahead of myself. I just looked up the Best Picture nominees, and I've actually seen almost all of them. And there's a good mm-hmm. there's a good few I think it could replace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie, like, it premiered at Cannes in 2019, uh, as did Parasite. <laughs> no, it's pronounced Canis. 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 It premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2019. <laughs> um, so it had, like, been... As somebody who keeps track of that kind of stuff, um, it had been on my radar for a while. And then it was, like, getting some Oscar talk. Like, I... I Again, we can talk more about this later. I don't think it ever really had a realistic shot at getting nominated for Best Picture. Um, but I genuinely thought it was going to get nominated for Best Cinematography. Because that's, like, all the people that... I follow that talk about this shit talk like made it seem like if this movie were to be nominated for anything, that's what it would be nominated for. And I remember being really pissed at neon because they were going to hold the release date until after the Oscars. And so I was like, if this gets Mm. nominated and they wait, I'm going to be fucking furious. And then it ended up not getting nominated. So it ended up being a moot point, but I did go see it opening weekend and I was like, holy shit. Like I was totally blown away by it. And then I texted Matt, and I was like, you need to see this for a lot of reasons, but also, <laughs> like, for you're, one specific one. for one very specific reason, which I'm sure we will get into, but for yeah. those of you who are listening who do not know, Matt loves the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. So. Eurydice. Eurydice. <laughs> or Eurydice, if you're doing it's the Italian. Orpheus. Not Orpheus. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the story of Orpheus at the Cannes Film Festival. And and Yuri Dice. Yeah, Yuri Dice. Um, but no, so I was like, Matt, really you need to see this for... Mm-hmm. <laughs> for several reasons, but specifically that one particular reason. So, um, yeah. so I convinced... I successfully convinced Matt to go check it out. Yeah. Um... I saw it with work, uh, so before... I think this is the last movie I saw in theaters, actually. Holy shit. Um, which, I just rem- I just realized that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I figured out uh, a few months ago when I was like, what is the last thing I saw? And I think this was it. I saw it with uh, an affinity group at work, and affinity groups were, like, interest hobby groups that people from work could, like, join, and there was a budget that was provided to us by work. It was, like... There were so many nice things before uh, it was bad. It uh, was literally like a year ago, but it sounds like twenty. Like, yeah. just, it sounds like, like such, endless white such call. Such a different world. What an era. Yeah, <laughs> but we went as a group. Um, we had also seen Parasite as an affinity group uh, months before, obviously. Uh, but this one we saw, and I like. Yeah, I had been pumped up for it, and a couple people at work had seen it, 
and had been like posting like has everyone seen portrait of lady on fire and everyone's like no i have to see it still and then that's why we were all like let's go together as a group uh we did and i like similar to parasite left the theater jumping and like going like holy shit oh my god that was so good and talking to everyone about like oh i can't believe how good that movie was and they're like yeah it was so good and we like got uh drinks and pizza i think afterwards and all of us were just talking about like all the little touches that made it so impressive. Um, which I'll say on the second viewing, going into it, I was like, why did I like this movie so much? I like couldn't remember <laughs> all those little things. And then... The movie started, uh, well, and you were the like, movie oh, started. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, it's, this, it's this boat scene. That's the most important. <laughs> uh, but I like took notes on all those little things that I remembered being like, oh, yeah. This line, this image, this payoff, uh, this setup, all those things. Uh, watching it a second time, I was like, oh, no. Yep. It's, it's like a slow burn that burns hot uh, by the end. Like, everything is catches so... Fire. It I mean, catches fire. It catches fire. This is actually the inspiration for Catching Fire, the Hunger Games sequel. No, I said <laughs> she catches fire. No, I know. Um... But I did, I did constantly think about The Girl on Fire, um, which was Katniss Everdeen's moniker in uh, The Hunger Christ. Games. And I was like, this a prequel? This a Victorian Just, prequel? And then it, goes, it cuts to well. credits and it's the Alicia Keys song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this portrait's on fire! Um, so, yeah, I really liked it. And I think I'm going to actually... Uh, make us go off the rails and i'm gonna say let's do what this should have replaced at the oscars that year now okay it's different from the awards category because i think the awards category is like what should it have been nominated for yeah but with this entire category being it should have been nominated let's say what it's gonna kick out okay so i think i so i think well first like what what do we want it to be nominated for because i think best picture i think i, I, I think mean, best best picture for sure best cinematography for sure um, That's it, I would but say, I forgot that this was the 1917 year. Uh, so yeah, and we're not necessarily saying it should on that one. win, but I think. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I like the Joker. I can't even remember a single. Thank you, oh my God. thank you, thank you, thank you. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, if we think about even what all we Irishman. would nominate it for, Joker was nominated for Best Picture and yeah. cinematography. And, yeah. So best Fuck. picture, I think you could oh. you could give a punt to the Joker, uh uh the Irishman, which I haven't seen. <laughs> I would uh and I'm not going to f- I'm not going to fight for the Irishman. Um neither will I. <laughs> oh. uh, I remember Ford versus Ferrari being good, but I don't know if it's best picture good and uh I don't and same with marriage story. I don't know if that was it was good, but I don't know if it was best picture. Real real quick, can we go through the list yes. so that we're so not the, just shouting out individual pictures? Yes. One by one. So the the best picture list last year was Parasite which won, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I would replace this. Yeah, almost any of those I would put this instead of. Even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would. But you know my feelings on that. Movie. Yeah, I was going to say. But the- Little Women, I, I thought was great. 1917, I thought was great. Um, 
Jojo Rabbit even I thought was like pretty good, but I wasn't blown away by it like everyone else was. Um, I how dare I mean, you insult my boyfriend? I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, my opinions on the Irishman are well known. I'm okay. I'm not going to fight for the Irishman being in Best Picture. I like that movie, but I also understand that it's pretty derivative of all of Martin Scorsese's gangster mm-hmm. stuff. So, like, I'm okay with I that think movie. We just get rid of the Joker. But I, the yeah. Joker was the we one that I was like Joker. when I looked at the list last night before, like as I was thinking about watching rewatching this movie. Joker was the obvious one mm-hmm. that was like, get this the fuck out of here. Like this doesn't belong here. Period. But especially, like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a significantly better movie than Joker. And if fucking, if Joaquin Phoenix is going to win for Best Actor, that's all that it should have won. It shouldn't have been nominated for almost anything else. I mean, cinematography, whatever. It was, like, a cool milestone. But uh, I just, yeah, Joker (laughs) nominated for Best Picture is crazy. It's cuckoo pants. It's insane. I think also Joker nominated for Best Cinematography is Cuckoo Pants. Um, so yeah, let's talk cinematography. Here are the nominees that year. 1917, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I think Irishman you can definitely get rid of. Same with The Joker. But The and Lighthouse I think Joker, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I would keep. I was going to say, I think Joker... I think Joker had, like, a cool vibe to it. Like, it definitely was that, like, gritty 70s kind of thing. So, like, I'm not... I care for it. It just looked like every every uh, film strip was soaked in urine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what I mean... I'll say about Joker. <laughs> I was going to say it had a real network vibe to it. Get out of here. You get right out it of did, here. Though. Yeah, I, like, mm. I'm... I guess kind of, yeah. Actually, yeah. Kind of. Okay, I'll admit it. With the with the talk show, I will admit that, yeah, there's some... Like, I think the Irishman points. is, like, the obvious replacement here. Like, I don't think that... Like, this is definitely better cinematography than Joker. But I think if we're, good, if we're just going to swap one movie out to get this in, my vote would be The Irishman. Yeah. Get I will also say... Uh, the other well, category that I am interested. We need to have five nominees, Tooney. Those are the rules. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, there's not enough good ones this year, so we're dropping one. Um, Put JoJo right. Which is what they've, yeah, which is what they've done with, like, Best Original Song, right? Where they're like, there's only three good songs this year. And they're like, why wouldn't you just put five in? They're like, we don't have five. There's only three. There's only three. I mean, that's a, we can have that conversation later, but I'd be okay with that. We don't need five. Most of the time, that category is fucking bullshit anyway, so. Fine. Um, what was what, your other category? Yeah, I was going to say, what were you going to... What, what is, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this name right, but Adele Hanel. Yeah. Which, very funny that it rhymes, and I just realized that. Um, but Adele Hanel would be supporting or lead? I would say she'd probably be supporting. I... I would argue supporting. Um, that one went to Luna, <laughs> Lorna Dune for Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But then I you still, had I, Kathy Bates, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Margot Robbie. Oh, I think Adele Hanel or Anel or whatever would deserve it more than most of them. Yeah. Uh, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, even Laura, D- Laura Dern. Like, Who? I think 
Lorna Dune. Fuck I think you Lorna guys. Dune. <laughs> this is the worst bit that we have. <laughs> I thought she was really good in Marriage Story, but like, I think, and we'll talk about this, but the last shot of this movie yes. is like is best supporting actress winner quality. Yes. Um, mm. and there's a lot of moments of that where so much is communicated with so little and such a natural like reaction to things. She carries the movie, I think. More so than the other girl, Marianne. Yeah. So, so that's I was I was Marianne. trying to look it up. Um, the Cesar, I definitely said that wrong. Awards, which are basically like the French Oscars. Mm. Both women were nominated for best actress, so neither okay. was supporting. They were both in the best actress category. So and then, that who was, was best actress? Renee uh, Zellweger, Cynthia Erivo, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story this time. Saoirse Ronan and Charlize Theron. For Bombshell? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, kick out Charlize or who was the first one? Renee, Renee Zellweger. Zellweger from Judy. Out. Get him out. She Both won. Of them. She won for I, Judy. I, I which just is can't nuts. care. Truly can't care. Forgot that she was even, that that movie even came out. Like, this is a better performance than those. And I haven't even seen those movies but i don't care i think this is a better performance i yeah i was gonna say if we're only gonna get one of them in i think she's the one to get in but i'm i wouldn't be mad about either of them being nominated because i think they were both really good um so i think if we want to get rid of renee zellweger and Charlize and throw (laughs) them both in there like i'm not i wouldn't be mad about that (laughs) yeah yeah, I think I think so too. Charlize Theron did nothing that interesting in Bombshell. I love Charlize Theron, but Bombshell as a movie was like fine at best. I thought yeah. I thought Margot Robbie did a better job in Bombshell. A hundred percent, yeah. Basically, anyone else in that movie. Uh, yeah, I just didn't care about Bombshell that much. One thing I don't know if we're ready to jump into talking about the movie uh, now, so. but you were talking about the final shot and. This is well something that I noticed uh, is that in terms of pacing of the movie, so the ending of this movie is very good. Yeah. Um, the last act of the movie is really very good, but there are quick, parts of qu- quick sidebar. Just uh, <clears throat> um, Matt, How when dare you, were- you interrupt? <laughs> well, when you were mentioning, you were like, "Why did I like this movie?" I had a very similar reaction because I only saw it once in theaters, and the only thing I like definitely remembered is, like, the last five minutes. Like, the whole mm-hmm. sequence was what f- truly stuck with me. And it still holds up. But I was like, there there had to have been more that I liked about this movie. So I, that was the, the quick sidebar related to both of those things. But as you were, Tierney, sorry. The pacing. Yeah, yeah. I think that the pacing... Uh, and that's where, like, I didn't... I, I think that the script probably could have been a little bit tighter for the bulk of the movie. But the ending is top-notch. But there were parts where I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> or like, and I know some of it is like character development and stuff, but it just felt like, like a bit meandering. But then uh, the ending tied up a good number of those loose ends. Um, but I still feel like there was a bit of fluff. I feel like the, I totally agree with you. And like I think it was the entertaining movie... <clears throat> fluff, but it was mm-hmm. like, I, in terms of writing, I think that, that, uh could have been a little bit tighter but the ending is 100 percent. i think the if watching it the second time the movie like kicks into a higher gear when 
the mom leaves and like it's just the three women who are like left alone Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do agree that I think, you know, we need some of that stuff before. Like, it couldn't all just be, like, slumber party with those three girls like, running around on the beach and <laughs> trying to have an abortion for one of them. Um, but I think, I do think it would have been, I agree with you, Tierney. I think we could have lost a little bit of that stuff at the beginning just to get to, like, the stronger half of the movie a little faster. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, yeah. like, you do need some of it. Sure, obviously. absolutely. It just, it, and that's where you guys were saying is a slow burn. Uh, it is a slow burn, but I think it could be faster. <laughs> it could have been a faster without, burn. <laughs> without sacrificing the story. For sure. I think in general, I would say that about most period pieces, but mm. that's how I feel about period pieces. Um, yeah, actually, I'm curious I, what your thoughts are, because this, I feel like I remember you saying that you don't, Maybe you didn't say this, you but then you don't me. have you patience me. for, like, the no. little, like, coy little looks and everything that tend to be in, like, period <laughs> no. pieces, like, BBC drama. But this movie yeah. is, like, entirely coy little looks, and I'm wondering um, if it works for you this time. I think it's because of the acting of Adele mm. uh, Hennel. I think, like, her looks are the same as, like, Call Me By Your Name yep. or Moonlight or any of these other, like, LGBTQ dramas about this like longing and this like uh learning of like figuring out the signs and i think she does them so well Mm -hmm. and is so enigmatic in the beginning when she's introduced that like you're immediately sucked in to like who is this girl and like they do such a good job of not making her like precocious or unique in ways that like are just to make her interesting but like she exists and the world around her makes her like amplifies how interesting she is and like little things like the cloak or her dress being on fire or um the circumstances of like why she's in this situation all of those things don't define her character but like show her in this kind of magical light um, mm-hmm. which I thought was really good but no as as far as pacing I think you could probably trim down probably 20 minutes from this movie of just like walking and like the pacing of those things but it's also like there's nothing else to do in these times like it's not <laughs> a fast period of time of life and I think that's like one thing that comes across is like they're just like living on this island like cutting cheese grabbing bread, running on a beach. But like, well, and like there's Adele's character, um, Eloise. Eloise, has that line where she's like, did you bring a book? Yeah. <laughs> Literally just any book. I don't give a shit. Like, I just need a book. It's like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Or even her being like, I've dreamt of that for so long. And she's like, dying? And she's like, running. And it's like, yeah, they literally can't even run. Like, they're not even running at this time. Um... <laughs> But well, no, she's I think also in general, like under house arrest. Yeah, I was gonna say it's <laughs> not, not that they're right, not right. running, <laughs> no, but fair. But like, but still, like that's a fast movement, and like they're not <clears throat> running until they are like left to their own devices. But um, I think also just like portraiture and painting is such like a slow, methodical process that like this feels like that. Um, I would have liked no, to I, see more finished paintings. We mm-hmm. got a lot of like half done once 
and and sketches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, um, I just want to see, like, give us a quick look of the final product. Doesn't have to be like a hovering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got a good look at the final portrait. No, but like the sketches she does, and uh, oh sure, like yeah, all of the other, um, all of the other things she does. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. The, uh, I think the other thing is, like, uh, the timeline of this movie is 11 days-ish, which seems... Oh, yeah. What do you think of the timeline? <laughs> I think it's kind of crazy, because it's very fast for them to, like, <laughs> fall this deep in love. But that's just, like, love stories. And back then, it was yeah. like, what else are you doing? You're not going to be distracted. You can just think about love all day. But, like, the fact that it's, like, six days for the first portrait and then the mom leaves and she's like she's like i'll be back in five days uh it's interesting how long the movie makes that period of time feel which i think could be intentional to like really make it Mm -hmm. seem like they really had kind of an infinity amount of time that ended like they had this like very robust relationship in a very short amount of time and we feel like they spent a lot of time together even though it was only 11 days um but I think it is interesting that it's like it's not that long for them to fall in love and be separated forever. Um, Do you think that's an unrealistic frame of time for the time period? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, but I'd say to fall in love and like have that much heartbreak. Maybe. But they well, like, they never say "I love you" to the other person, and so it's true. I kind of viewed it as like a. Uh, like they probably feel that way, but it's also just like a like deeply passionate relationship that they will think of for the rest yeah. of their lives, which that's they do. Fair. And yeah, I, feel I was like going to say that sort of thing is realistic. I would and agree that does with happen that. Still, like you that's can you can meet somebody and know fairly quickly that they're going to have a profound impact on your life, and even if you don't actually like, have a ton of time to spend with them, like, it can still happen, right? Like, I, I I, believe that that is true. Whether or not that they are, like, deeply in love with one another in an 11-day period, I don't know if I buy that, but I do buy that they could realize that, like, this particular moment in their lives and who they were to each other for this piece of time sure. would be very good and, sh- and would be very significant, and like you said, Tierney, something that they would think on for the rest of their lives. And I mean, I think... I suppose it also depends on, like, what you were to qualify as love. Because I feel sure. like they probably do love each other, but then it's like, well, can you really know someone in 11 days? But, uh, <laughs> right. Well, and that's where when it's they more, play a... is it the feeling or is it the knowing of another person? Um, mm. Because I feel like they have the feeling, but they probably don't know the other person that well. Yeah, um, but they might know but more how, than most people. I mean, mm-hmm. they probably know. I mean, like as we we're saying, like there's not a lot else to do, so they just like right. spend, you know, a week and a half just in each other's company, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think, like, just and because because of the setup of the initial setup of like, you can't let her know that you're painting her, so like. Um, Sit close. She's just like trying to. What? Said secrets. 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 (laughs) She's just like trying to steal glances every once in a while. So, like, 
you know, I think the fact that they are spending so much time together for a specific purpose where they're just like, she's trying to get to know her as best she can so she can paint her. Like I, I, I all of that stuff rings true to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I it's hard th- not to fall for somebody who plays a rinky dink mini piano yep. for you. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say the, the scene where they're first at the beach and she's trying to get her profile for the painting and Eloise is like, why are you looking at me? And then coupled with the scene where she's playing the rinky-dink-dink mini piano and Eloise keeps looking at her, I thought mm-hmm. we're very well paired. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There are a lot of that, those moments of, like, they're experiencing these feelings separately and then have moments where they tell each other that, like, yeah, we're on the same page. Um, uh, page being important later. Oh, God. That. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think that turn reveal by the water where they're like, uh, Eloise is behind Marianne and Marianne keeps turning over to look and then turning back and blocking her profile and yes. turning and you see the profile and turning. And then the final reveal is that Eloise is looking back at her like, why do you keep looking at me? I thought it was such a, I, I forgot that shot, um, but it's such a good shot of like, she disappears behind her and then is revealed each time she turns uh, that was just a beautiful... There's a lot of... My notes are mostly just, like, specific shots that I was like, my God, this is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. But that was one where I, I really loved that. Yeah. There are a lot of them. Um, yeah. And speaking of, like, the secret of, like, you can't reveal that you're painting your portrait, I gasped uh, this time where they're by the beach and they're just, like, having a nice chat. And then she's like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll draw that. And she's like, you draw? Yeah. And I was like, oh! <laughs> The jig is up. Well, uh, and she's just like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, like mm, <laughs> she's going to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I remember that line being like, oh, <laughs> she's getting too close. She's forgetting her, her mission. <laughs> what did you guys think of the like acapella group in the fields? I didn't really get that segment. I don't like get it, but I think it's like really beautiful. I thought it was really beautiful. Like, there is. It's very haunting I also think, at first. Well, it, it's yeah. super haunting because there's no music in this movie. I mean, yeah. like, she yeah. plays the rinky-dink-dink mini piano a couple times. And um, obviously, like, at the very end. Very I know. The, right. But I'm just, and at the very end, there's, like, the orchestral piece, which we will definitely talk more about. But, um, or at least the end. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no other music in the entire movie. And so when yeah. they just start, like doing that really eerie like and then you can just kind of see them all like coming together and just making this weird chanting noise it's like upsetting but also like like i had shades of midsommar when i was watching it this time where i was just like that just like really uncomfortable feeling that i got when i watch certain sequences of midsommar um I get that when they first start doing it, but then when they all just start like breaking into like actually singing and there's the clapping and everything. And it's just like, Oh, like it's still like creepy and eerie, but it's very like, I like just that whole sequence. I'm just like very captivated by. Did you guys like that one girl who was super into it? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's always one. It was like, it's a Victorian, uh, glee episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, which is Ryan Murphy's next project is Glee. 
colon Victorian. Oh God, will um, not watch. <laughs> also, not to talk. Not, we we were not going to talk about the Snyder Cut again. But there's a sequence in the Snyder Cut in which an Icelandic village like yeah, chants together. I've heard, I've heard of this. <laughs> it is brutal. It makes no sense, and it's not fun. And I didn't enjoy it. And then I watched this, and I was like, Oh no! Now I'm reminded of the Snyder Cut. And I was like, Oh, but this is so good. And the Snyder Cuts is like, What is happening? What the fuck is this movie anyway uh, uh quick i actually like that scene though and especially the way it builds up that image of her standing and looking at marianne and then lighting on fire while the chant is happening i thought was so cool and also while we're talking about just gorgeous shots the three of them in silhouette walking towards yep. this thing and there's like it's just dusk and like when the when they first start walking you can actually see some of the sunset but as they continue walking it just gets darker but it's just the three of them in silhouette against this beautiful sky background mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous fucking gorgeous yeah. <laughs> and i remember watching it in the theater and just being like oh and then watching it again this morning i was like yep still still incredible mhm yeah i i specifically like recognize that shot too um and it's it's almost like the only thing out the other only uh movie that i was thinking of was like fellowship of the ring when they're like walking up the mountains and it's just like each of them in their little profiles and you're like that's aragorn and that's frodo (laughs) and this one like each of them has such a distinct like look um which like specifically Eloise and her like blue cloak and the way that like hangs over her and the hood is kind of like this shape and Marianne's long coat and how like that is her look. Each of them has their own like little distinct costume piece that like makes them stand out and like look different from each other, which I thought was cool. I think um, the subtleties too of <clears throat> of uh I don't know how else to phrase this other than Eloise's face are mm-hmm. like very good. Just I, I don't know, building up like her of little her, her little smirks and yeah. her like and the lines. She of does her a lot face. of like where you like bring your chin in or it's kind of like mm-hmm. I would think of it as like a what face? <laughs> yeah. She, and it's like usually like when someone like her mom is telling her to do something which I was like, mm-hmm. oh that's pretty funny, but it's like very subtle yeah um so good friend of the pod uh oh i'm about to go down a major tangent and i'm not even sorry about it (laughs) friend of the pod joel sent matt and i this screenshot yesterday where somebody was like i'm going to create the worst loader fan cast (laughs) did you see this matt i know he sent it when you were driving but so like you're, when you're fan casting something, you're like, oh, I, I think this person should play this character, and I think oh. this person should play this character. So here's here's what we got going on. Lord of the Rings, L-O-T-R, yeah, yeah, L-O-T-R. not oh. Loader. Yeah, do you guys... Loader yeah. Foder, Loader Rota? Yeah, but you I'm hearing like L-O-A-D-E-R when oh, you say Loader okay, fan sorry. cast. Well, I was like, you've said you said two words that I don't know. If you would have given me a chance, we've got Timothy no. Chalamet as Frodo... We've got James Corden as Sam. Oh, no. <laughs> Some person that I don't even recognize as Mary. Who? Ben Affleck. I, I, oh, you do. What do you mean picture, who? I don't. Yeah, it's a picture. Yeah, no, it's, it's a picture. Yeah. It's like, I don't know picture. what you want. 
Oh, it's uh, it's what's his name? Uh, Noah Centineo. Oh yeah, okay, Noah Centineo. Um, yeah. Ben Affleck is Gimli. Chris, Chris, um, which Chris is this? Evans. Chris Evans is Legolas. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're te- it's te- they're all terrible. We've got they're Tom Holland as Pippin. We've got oh, Jer- Jared fucking Leto as Aragorn. Fuck off. <laughs> Army Hammer as Boromir, and Liam Neeson as Gandalf. Awful. <laughs> Just so, awful. The guy who posted it was like, "Send me anonymous hate, and I'll do the rest of the cast." <laughs> so then we've got a follow up. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson as Gollum. Gal Gadot as Arwen. (laughs) Russell Crowe as Theoden. (laughs) Amy Schumer as Galadriel. Tom Cruise as Elrond. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence as Eowyn. Nick Cage as Faramir. Henry Cavill as Eomir. And Bruce Willis as Denethor. (laughs) God, it's so bad. It's the worst casting. It's so bad. None of them said. (laughs) <laughs> they're so bad. Half those uh, people aren't even good actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, why they would not be good in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a couple on there that like, okay, I could maybe see that, but on the whole, it's just like a total trash fire. <laughs> Light it up. <clears throat> anyway. Again, that was a major tangent. I'm not sorry about it. Uh that needed to be shared with the world. <clears throat> Matt brought up Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, um, I think I think what I'm gonna do is organize shots and and uh, quotes because I'm realizing now that that's most of my notes is just specific shots and then specific quotes uh, that I thought were excellent. Um, and well, then I, uh, I'll go through those. Just, yeah, run it, run it through. We've gone through mine already, so. Well, I'm also curious. I want to hear your take as a Orpheus and Eurydice stan. I want to hear oh, your, yeah. your take on yeah. how this movie handles that. I was going to ask after the quotes and scenes. But, yeah, I mean, we can oh, yeah. do either. Let's, at some point, let's I talk want about that. Orpheus. <laughs> let's talk about Orpheus and Eurydice. Um, so, I thought it was very smart for them to, like, outright read the story and address the story because... I had never interpreted that myth the way they do in this movie, which I was blown away by when I first saw this. I was like, oh, wow. What an approach to addressing how confusing the moral of that story is. Because the moral of the story is that, uh, and it, it differs from myth to myth. Sometimes Eurydice trips and Orpheus turns around to catch her. And in that moment, she disappears most of the time, he is unsure at the threshold that what he's bringing back with him is really, in fact, Eurydice and turns around to make sure that it's her. And then in that instance, she disappears because the rules he's are the always that you can't turn around. That he goes to the underworld to bring her back? Yes. yes. Okay. And he's like the world's best <laughs> musician. He's like blessed by Apollo. Um, like he's basically if it's Greek myths and it's music, he's the one that's like the top of the food chain um but yeah his music is so beautiful that he like convinces everyone uh in the underworld to allow him to bring Eurydice back which is similar to 
how Marianne is the best painter available that and convinces the mother to spend more time with Eloise. Um, So there's a lot of parallels. But uh, the fact that in this movie, they address like, why would he turn around? That's such a stupid move. And it does feel stupid in the myth where you're like, it's just like typical Greek myth where it's like, oh, of course they do the wrong thing and then they have consequences. Well, um, like, especially, like, right at the finish line. Right at the finish like, line. Like, so close. Yeah. And it, it's, like, almost like a Coenberg. Uh, Coenberg. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is this, like, a weird, like, body horror version of, like, Blood like inside, complicated. Lewin, inside Lewin Davis or something? Just yeah, like... inside Lewin Davis. And it's about things living inside him. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to do that, the Coenberg movies, and I'm going to make all of... Like, the big Lebowski, and then it'll be, like, some monster. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but in this movie, uh, yeah, they uh, say, like, why would he turn around? And then she's like, well, he... Eloise, my favorite, uh, says, like, well, no, he didn't choose... He chose... Uh, he made the decision of a poet, not a lover. Yeah. Because he wanted the image of her. He was... He wanted the memory. He wanted the memory. He wanted to see who he remembered and not who he was going to be with in that moment. Um, which has big implications for how their relationship goes in this movie and all that they're able to see are like pictures, um, both on page 28 of that book, which we'll talk about later, um, and the painting that uh, Marianne sees at the art gallery at the very end, um, that they're both only able to see images, memories of each other. And Eloise later says like, at a certain point, you're only going to... Re- when you think of me, you'll remember that picture and not me. That, which is the same story. That sequence, and, like, specifically that dialogue, because <clears throat> it, like, cuts to just um, Marianne just, like, drawing her, like, mm-hmm. as we've seen her do the entire movie. And then you get Eloise say, like, oh, you could just conjure that image from nothing. Like, you're just, like, it's so ingrained in you now that you could just, like grab a piece of paper and do it and then to take it one step further with that line that you just said where it's like at some point that's all you're ever gonna have is just like that image right mm-hmm. and it's just like that whole sequence is beautiful and t- just completely heartbreaking <laughs> i think yeah. also if we were to talk about i think the ending is probably the most explicit rendering of that in that she's choosing to listen to the music and live the images in her head versus yes. look mm-hmm. 10 feet away yep and see the actual person yeah doesn't even realize it and yeah is still lost in her remembrance and not regret which i thought was another really beautiful <clears throat> moment where she's like don't regret remember um which i think is also like to the story of orpheus and eurydice uh and I think the other thing, now that you're, you're brought up that she's saying, like, you can, you can draw that from nothing now, or, like, you can draw it forever. You could draw it, um, you can duplicate it or whatever. I think, I think that's, like, an interpretation, <laughs> and I think it's a double entendre line of, I think, back then, in painting, you would draw a small version of the painting so that you could replicate it for other paintings if you wanted to. And so, like, at art museums, you'll always see, like, little Monets and little Van Goghs and, like, these small 
versions of their big paintings so that they could replicate it over and over and over again. Hmm. And so she's painting the small version of the portrait that she makes and could replicate it in the future if she wanted to. But I think you're right that it's, like, it's actually the idea of, like, I'm in your brain now. Yeah. And you can just replicate me. You can just create that image over and over again. Um, but, yeah, to the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, I thought, like, I haven't seen an adaptation of that myth really at all. I can't... I mean, there's, like, Black Orpheus is a Brazilian movie uh, that I think won Best Picture... I'm not sure. I would have to look into that. Um, and then there's like a couple <clears throat> other like operas and stuff like that. But is Hades Town Orpheus and Eurydice? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and I like this more than uh, Hades Town. And Hades Town is a straight Orpheus and Eurydice adaptation. Like their their names are Orpheus and Eurydice, and he goes to Hades and mm. he picks up. Like all that stuff is true. But I think c- the context of this movie. <clears throat> um, is what a good myth retelling does in the same way that uh, Portrait of a Sacred... Or um, Portrait of a Sacred Deer... Killing of a Sacred Deer... Uh, I would also watch of... that movie for the record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that Killing of a Sacred Deer is uh, the sacrifice of Ephigenia. Um, oh, Brother Arthau is the Odyssey. Like, all these stories that are retellings that really take it into a different tone and world and like don't just retell it but like give it context for what it would be in a con in a in the real world i think this one does it really well and introduces it midway through that then you like look back on all the other stuff and look forward and understand like yeah this is they're not recreating it but this is their life that follows how that myth uh plays out um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought when you oh, were like, oh, in the moment where she cha- when she's leaving and she chases her and makes her turn around, says turn around. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that that's like I wrote that down as a note of like disappearing in the dark room of like she has this repeated image of seeing her in her wedding dress and every time she turns around she disappears into the darkness and then the final moment that they see each other in person is that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so it's the idea that she's already in her mind playing out the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice with Eloise and then it actually comes to to truth in that moment where she leaves especially because she makes the decision of a poet yeah and she says like I'm not gonna tell you to not to bail on this marriage like you you'll you have to commit to that I'm not willing to derail your life um in the same way that you're like, why wouldn't Orpheus just wait until they cross the threshold? Both of them are like, why wouldn't, or at least Eloise, I think, is like, why wouldn't you pick me? Why wouldn't you just save me from this fate? Um, And I think that, yeah, that image of her disappearing in the darkness, we're seeing that psychological uh, struggle that Marianne is going through. Um, And also the, the idea that Another Orpheus tie is the fact that uh, Eloise has never heard orchestra music. She's only heard choral church music. And Orpheus being a musician, in that final moment, it's music that is connecting her to her memory. And so, like, that's an Orpheus reference as well. And that's the memory is tied to music. So I thought that was really cool, too, that, like, 
even though painting is the main like skill or like uh medium that uh marianne works in music is also tied to her character because she's orpheus and uh eloise is eurydice mm. so yeah uh that's yeah loved all the orpheus and eurydice shit yeah that um, was my I, I was like i would have recommended this movie to pretty much anyone on its own merit but like Matt specifically, I was like, you must, <clears throat> you of all people must see this movie for that one reason, in addition to all the other great shit that it has going for it. Yeah, 100%. Um, I did look I it think... up, by the way, Black Orpheus won the Palme d'Or and mm -hmm. it won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language. Cool. Yeah. And I had started watching it on Canopy in a bath and then I still have to go back and finish it. But... <laughs> That's all. I mean, I was like, I have to get out of this bath, but I'm, I'm enjoying this movie. The way you buried the lead there was really like, yeah. I started watching that on Canopy. Also, I was just in the bath, um, but, yeah. <laughs> but then my fingers started getting really pruny and I was like, shit, I got to finish this movie some future bath. Like, Truly, that's exactly how it went. Um, 100%. Uh, but I still have to finish it. But it... It was a, a good retelling, um, but it's ta it takes place at uh, Carnival, and so that's the idea of the underworld, is like mm. this like, kind of chaotic party that's happening. Um, oh, interesting. But it's also a much more straightforward retelling than this, which is like circling the myth and then like hitting it with different things that are recognition rather than retelling, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um... I'm going to go through Say burn, list. Burn through your list, and then we'll spend a little time talking about the ending. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I'll, I'll just do some lines, because that'll be even faster, and then we can walk through these shots and go into that ending, because I think a lot of it has to do with the shots of those endings. So, lines that stood out uh, the first time, and that I was like, yep, I'm going to write those down again, uh, were when Marianne asks um, Sophie the, like, housemaid um like how do you know that your mistress uh jumped and she's like she didn't cry out oh. and it was like such a specific like you're like yep oh yeah that's how you would know she didn't cry out when she jumped uh from this cliff um which i thought was like a very powerful line um the scene in which each of them is telling the other one the tells like their little yes signs of like you raise your eyebrows when you're um, like mm -hmm. overwhelmed and you open and you breathe with your mouth when you feel uh, whatever like unsettled um, in the way where she's like oh you like smile when you're or I can't remember all, all of them but that her calling out Eloise's tells because she's painting and like is observing those things and the way Eloise like you come over here you're in the same position I am because I can see all of your tells. And yeah. like, just a perfect moment of, again, them acknowledging that they're on the same page and doing it so that we get an understanding that they're looking at each other deeply and understanding each other deeply. Well, and, and I think <clears throat> Adele Hanel definitely has like the, the showier of the two performances especially mm -hmm. when you take into consideration the final sequence. But I think that moment that you're talking about is like an incredible 
acting showcase for both of those women because yeah. as soon as one person calls out the other person's thing, the other person does it. And like almost yeah. in kind of like a like almost like in a defensive way, like no I don't, but they're still doing it, you know? And like each time one of them says something, they both just react perfectly and it's it's mesmerizing. Uh see, I thought it was the premise was very nice, but I thought the execution was kind of cheesy because they're doing it as they're saying it. And I was like, that can't be the way that it is. The cool thing though, I thought, <laughs> I thought somewhat like, I thought Marianne reacting of when she like opens her mouth and then she's like, you breathe when you're like, I thought that was like, Oh, well yeah, now you're seeing it. But they do an edit where Marianne calls out one of the ticks in <clears throat> Eloise. And when we cut back, Eloise is already in that position and then closes up, like yeah. recognizes it and is like, mm. <clears throat> Oh, okay. I'm not going to show you that then. But like I thought I thought the scene was good only in that like it really explicitly states how observed each of them are to each other. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I think it would have worked better if they weren't reacting the way that they were saying. Sure. Personally. That seems fair. I I'm also interested to rewatch the movie and look for all those moments in which they react in the ways. That's that right. I think that would yeah. be a much the much stronger way to go about it is have all the groundwork there beforehand, which I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah. The other line uh, that is, I think, if you were to like do a pull quote from this movie. Um, the way that we talked about that, like, one Oscars poster that was just, like, lines all yeah. over the place. <clears throat> the one that I remember being just devastated by was, do all lovers feel like they're inventing something? Mm. When I was like, oh, my God. Look, what a beautiful way to describe newness of love and yeah. the way that it feels like, what is this? Like, what are we discovering together? Um and it happens when they're, like, about to make love in, like, this, like, candlelit room. But, like, just that line is so just beautiful. Um, do all lovers feel like they're inventing something? Um, yeah. And then it's not so much the line <clears throat> as, like, the context and how the line changes the scene is when Eloise is standing by the ocean sad that she's going to have to commit to this marriage because Marianne's not going to stop it. And Marianne runs out and grabs her from behind and says, your mother returns tomorrow. And the, like, an already devastated Eloise turns and all of the, the emotion on her face of, like, it's too soon. I can't believe, like, this is over. I'm going to miss you so much. Like, all of that is commuted just by their looks, but the line of your mother returns tomorrow communicates everything. Like, what that means to them. Um, I thought it was interesting, too, that you don't know whether she's apologizing for the news that she's about to give or for the fact that she wouldn't choose her. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhat related, but just uh, the trailer for this movie is just an (laughs) all-time trailer. I had to watch it again. Um, and I, the only reason I, it's, it's set to that song that the women chant sing, mm. but it has a lot of those shots that we've already talked about. Not, a, not all of them, but a lot like in there. I remember distinctly, especially because 
I see most of my movies at the Alamo. Neon is the the studio that like acquired the distribution rights for this, and mm-hmm. Alamo owns Neon. And so, like, basically every movie I went to (laughs) in, like, the entire, like, Oscars run in 2019-2020, I got this trailer. So I saw this trailer an absurd amount of times. But there's, like, a lot of those, like, really, like, the scene where Marianne is running across the beach and they just, like, embrace at the end of the beach. Like, that's in the trailer. And it's just, like fuck i want to watch this movie right now <laughs> like i mm-hmm. like i am so ready for this shit <laughs> so yeah um speaking of shots let's go through this shots list that i, I shots, mean, shots 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 <clears throat> shots shots exactly i think some of them are also going to be um just evidence of what tyranny said earlier which was that like so many of the shots in this movie just look like paintings themselves yeah starting with uh, Marianne nude lighting a pipe in front of the fireplace as two canvases like bookend her on each side or like um, what's the word I'm looking for I Another got word. it bookend I guess. I mean, yeah. book, bookend flank flank that's <laughs> a word flank I was, like... I was like it's our military term flank um, and it's a stake uh, but yeah the <laughs> just that image of those two canvases drying and her in profile lighting a pipe was like what a gorgeous shot uh, and just, like, necessary. It's not, like, unnecessary, like, nudity or, like, a male gaze on her body. It's just, like, she has to dry off from jumping into the water to save these canvases and dry them out. And, like, she's also cool and smokes a pipe. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that shot. Um, uh, later... Quick thing yeah. related to the trailer and also what you were just saying. There's a line, a pull quote from a review in the trailer... And I can't remember who gives the quote, but um, the line is something to the effect of, like, the world just looks different through a woman's eyes. And Celine Siama, the director of this movie, is a woman. So, like, I think what you were saying, it's not, like, a male gaze type situation. It's just, like, Mm -hmm. a very, like, real... would have been a complete catastrophe if a man had directed it. A hundred percent. travesty. Of yeah. yeah. It would and have you been get that garbage. From the first three minutes, you're like, oh, a woman made this. And that's yeah. why it's <laughs> Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, I think, like, we haven't talked really about how most of this movie is these three women just like having fun together. Yeah. Um, which one of the shots that I wrote down was like, it's the three of them, which it looks like a painting of Sophie, um, sewing Marianne mm. pouring wine and Eloise cutting cheese and bread. And they're just each in their own little station. And it looks so beautiful. And just like they're in a rhythm, like this is their night. This is how they are like, existing together with all the other activities that we see them doing of like going to this like campfire and uh, trying to have an abortion. Um, (laughs) But also like them playing cards is such a joyful scene that is nothing more than just them hanging out. It's just them playing a game and laughing and like being playful and competitive. Um, I could have watched several more hours of just the three of them just like hanging out and being friends. Like it's, it's just like such a charming part of this movie 
is when they're all just mm-hmm. like doing their thing. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there's that other shot where they're Sophie's just third wheeling so hard. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least they don't, they don't seem to make her feel like a no, third I'm just wheel. Joking. They just like do their own thing, you know. When Sophie's off in her room, um, but uh, another shot that was just—it's really fun. Like it's not beautiful in the same way that we're talking about, but it's just like a like a quirky fun shot is when they're trying to find that plant that they can hopefully give her so that she can just like have an abortion and uh, or have a miscarriage, I guess. Um, and you just like the shot starts with just this like beautiful landscape and you just see all these like this tall grass and everything and then all three of them pop up at once mm-hmm. <laughs> just like such a fun shot <laughs> it's like yeah, i have not, that as one of my notes it's not serious <laughs> at all it's just like oh this is so silly <laughs> like, yeah but it's also a beautiful shot because yeah. each of them has their own color scheme yeah and for them to just emerge from this like very kind of bland yellow field uh that's pretty but each of them just the popping up is like so it's almost like a Wes Anderson shot. It's yeah. so like uh satisfying. Um <clears throat> just like fill that space. But that was one of my uh the shot callouts. Um speaking of colors and dresses, the green dress fake out that yeah. we get, which is where they're talking about Eloise and we hear about Eloise and there's a lot of talk about like what does she look like? What does she look like? And the first time we think we're going to see her, we see uh, feet moving underneath this green dress. And it looks like Eloise is walking down a hallway. And they reveal it's Sophie holding the dress up to be like, this is the dress that you'll be painting her in. And you're like, we still have to wait. And then for that first reveal of Eloise to be in, in the cloak, turning and leaving through the door and walking away so you can't see her face, another Eurydice reference of like, you don't quite see her. You can't quite see who she is. And then for that hood to bounce down and reveal this like bright golden hair, and then for her to turn and for you to see her green eyes, all of those things are so like, they just like give you each bit to keep you wanting to see more and, and like know who she is more and more each time. But it's so enticing to like, be like oh it's not her in the green dress oh i still don't get to see her oh it's just her hair those like moments are so powerful in introducing this character that is so enigmatic and is so like um life-changing to marianne that like she couldn't know who she's about to be painting the portrait of um so i thought that green dress fake out was very cool um and uh, um the abortion that ends up happening where she goes to this woman's house and the abortion happening next to a baby yeah that like this baby is consoling her while she's having this abortion yeah i can't really i don't really know what overall like meaning that has but it's a beautiful shot of this like baby holding her finger as like a comfort and just these women supporting her and being there to be like like we'll help you do this that Um, was i remember that was one of the things that i saw the first time that just like stuck with me just that like the image yes but also just like the setup of what she's doing and having a baby literally right next to her was just like yeah like a gut punch (laughs) like yeah it's so gross 
like <laughs> just the process is like so medieval. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And then for them to recreate that for like the quick painting was also yeah. like an interesting dynamic. Again, it seemed like uh, the point was maybe Eloise was like, let's pull some beauty from this kind of uh, very like traumatic experience. Um, and like in recognizing it, we can like come to terms with the reality of it. Um, but also just kind of weird to be like, get on the ground, recreate this thing that you just did. Um, <laughs> this awful the, thing that you just did. <laughs> yeah. Like not in terms of judgment, but just like in terms of like trauma. <laughs> like this, right. like yeah. very traumatic thing that you just went through. Let's recreate it real quick so I can draw it. <laughs> get out of bed. Let's do this. Um, the mirror shot, which I think is like just that shot of the mirror um, between uh Eloise's legs as oh. Marianne's reflection is in it and she's drawing herself from that reflection. Um I thought it was like it's just a great shot of yeah. her face there in yeah. that reflection of the circle mirror. Um and this isn't so much a shot as I guess it's a shot, but the sound of graphite as it's like sketching is so satisfying in this movie. Every time there's a sketch and it's like it's so I love pencil. I love pencil to paper. Uh, I like used to collect too many pencils and I exploded a pencil case um, because I had too many in it. So <laughs> I like love graphite and like that, that sound. And that was so pleasing. And like every time there was a sketch, it was like, Oh God, this is so satisfying. Well, especially because you don't, you don't see a lot of like sketching done in movies, but usually when it is being done and I think like, Titanic is probably the most popular version of that. Uh Um, But it's like, it's set to a a, a score, right? Like, so you're not really listening to like the, the, you aren't listening to the actual art being done. Uh You're listening to the music and like, you have the emotion tied to it for all these other different reasons. So I think, again, the fact that this movie has no score allows you to get a lot of that, like very like tactile, production of this piece um which like you said is really satisfying yeah um and that leads me into my last shot that i think does lead into the ending of something that i forgot uh until the second viewing was we get a shot of those flowers in like the um the still life that's being sewn um i guess yeah it's like a weaving like a little uh, just a little sewing um, it's called needlepoint Needlepoint. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but then we get the shot later of all the flowers wilted. But the needlepoint doesn't show that. The needlepoint shows them at their most vibrant, at their most lively. And that's exactly what these portraits do, is they cap- capture that magic of the time. And so, like, it's another small payoff or, like, small reinforcement of the theme that isn't, a, that isn't related to Marianne and... Uh, Eloise, but is exactly their circumstance. It's the memory of this life. Um, same thing with Orpheus and Eurydice. And so, in that mirror shot, when she draws herself, she says, turn to a random page, and draws it on page 28. That is where this image of Marianne will live on for Eloise. And so, 
we enter oh. the third act. Oh. And we get the narration of like, I only saw her, I saw her for the first time once more at this art gallery where Marianne is showing off a painting that she's done of Orpheus and Eurydice, which they comment like, it's, oh, you only see her the disappearing. Like, it looks like they're saying goodbye in this one. And then she looks in that, in the little uh, brochure and realizes that there's a portrait of Eloise at this gallery and the reveal as the people like move away from the canvas and you see a daughter and you're like, oh, she's, this is a different life now. She's got a daughter. She's a different person now, kind of. But in her hand, she just has the book flipped and curled to page 28. And that is just incredible. It's such, like, within the terms of the reality of this world, of what would be possible to do, Colin is crying. <laughs> uh, but, like, that, that communication, she doesn't know that Marianne will definitely see this. I think she does know idea... that Marianne will see it. I think that's why she does it. I mean, I think she's hopeful that yeah. Marianne will see it, but I don't think that she's like, oh, I know that this painting is going to be displayed at that thing that she will also be dis- like displaying artwork. I think she, I agree. I think she I think... knows that the odds are very good. Yes. Oh, for sure. But and I think it's, it's more just it. like a shot in the dark. She'll never know yeah. whether or not it's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you're I right. It's... I think she hopes that it's true. I think she thinks of it. The chances are high. But she also knows that it's not 100% of a chance. And she also knows that she'll never know one way or another. So she's just, like, throwing it out there because it's all she can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to yeah. cry again. <laughs> like, it's... it's so beautiful. <laughs> and because, yeah, it's exactly that of saying, like, yes, I have a daughter. And yes, this is what I am now. Like, this is my image but you're still part of my image you're still part of my life and like i purposely am holding the book and showing that page even though it doesn't mean anything to the to whoever painted that portrait but like i chose to bring you into this moment and to bring you into this um image of myself uh and the look that she that marianne has of realizing like okay I was important to her and like I meant something enough for her to include me in her future I'm not just a memory I'm like I'm happening I think there's Um, also something to be said for her face in the portrait it has a smirk on it and the first time Mm -hmm. that Marianne painted her she didn't yeah yeah and so um, it's, like, very well, much the, an inside Mar- joke. Marianne even has a line where she's like, I can't get you to smile. Like, every yeah. time I try, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she did. She got her to smile with that drawing of herself. I, God! Page 28, though. That, like, I, fucking <laughs> blew me away the first time I saw it. I was same. like, oh, I was, my God. I wept when I saw this in theaters the first time. With, like, the reveal of the page mm-hmm. 28. I just, like, was a sobbing mess. And when I watched it this morning, I it's still, like hit me on an emotional level but it didn't make me cry but you just talking about it just like set me off <laughs> like just it's so good yeah an astounding so <laughs> touch and again just like a beautiful payoff that like 
we didn't even, it didn't even happen that long before it. Like that scene of her drawing is only a few or, you know, handful of several scenes before it. Um, and like that alone would be satisfying to be like, oh, now she's got this drawing. But that reveal of the page, I thought was just a beautiful touch. Um, and then we move into her saying, and then I saw her for the last time once more. And at the opera, her seeing Eloise moving into her balcony box and the push zoom in and just holding on Eloise, taking in the music, remembering everything, catching her breath because she's crying and happy and sad. An astounding ending to, the, to a movie that's so gentle and so sweet and so beautiful and that final shot of her just remembering is like so powerful and so uh, breathtaking. And that performance is fucking incredible. It's so good. Everything she moves through and we get to watch her. There's yeah. a scene uh, people reference in the movie. Oh, God. Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's Nicole Kidman and her husband supposedly comes back as a little boy. Uh, and she has Benjamin to like Button. <laughs> God. Uh, she's not even in that movie. <laughs> I was, oh man, I saw this movie too. I'm looking it up right now uh, because there's a shot in this movie that everyone calls out as being like this incredible piece of a long take of her reacting and like going through all these emotions as you just like watch her face take in what she's real birth the movie is called birth um but she like meets this little boy cameron played by cameron bright uh who says something very specific and that only her husband would know and then like passes out outside of the opera house and nicole kidman is so shaken by it because she's like wait how would this little boy know something that my husband knows and then moves into her seat at this opera and it's just a long take of her Going through, like, could it be? No. Wait, but how? Oh, my God, what does this mean? Could it be my husband? And, like, that long take of her reacting is very similar to this one of, like, watching a performance and just pretending like you're emoting for the performance, but actually being like, I'm in my own place, I'm thinking my own thing. Um, And I think this is a, a more powerful one. And I think, like, referencing the end of Call Me By Your Name is also appropriate. Yeah. Like, where we just hold on Timothy Chalamet crying by a fire. I think this is better than that shot, too. Yes. Um, <laughs> this one is just so powerful and beautiful. I think the music does a lot, too. Which, I, yeah. I looked it up. Uh, so, in the movie, they refer to it as Bach. But it's Vivaldi. I just looked it up. Um. Mm. Oh, but it's a it's about springtime and it's like one of the first I just literally looked this up and it's uh <laughs> one of the first narrative pieces right um, where like the music is actually supposed to represent things in real life instead of just being like a ding 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 um, <laughs> instead of rinky dink dink yeah because it, it, is, it is the piece that she's playing yeah. on the rinky dink thing so like mm-hmm. another setup payoff yeah uh but they, she refers to it. I'm pretty sure she refers to it as Bach, but it's. I don't remember not that, Bach. but I. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, but also, just to what you guys were saying, and then some of the references that you made in other. I know it's it's 
movies, so it's slightly different. But I feel like you guys might like, like, romantic chick literature. Because I'm, a lot of the things that you're describing are, like, very, fairly common and, like, like those Oh, like showing room. the page and yeah, stuff? Yeah, showing the page yeah. or, like, the tie. And that's where I... The ending is what did it for me because I, I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... I don't know. It's throw just, some, it, throw it's some recommendations that, my way. I'll list, I'll read. I'll check something out. Yeah, I don't know if you guys would like it. That's where it's like it's just funny to me that it, that it's like a, a sort like a Venn diagram of like <laughs> stuff that like a girl would read and then stuff that a guy would read and then this is like the middle section. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I think it does the same thing that like. Um, it's, gr- it's good. It's yeah. a great way to end a story, I think, personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Moonlight uh, of, like, playing that song in the diner mm. and the, the, like, thick emotional tension between the two of them. But that's a romantic yeah. story as well. Oh, obviously. So is Call yeah. Me yeah. By I'm, Your Name. Oh, yeah. I mean, all these romantic stories. I love romantic stories, yeah. obviously. I mean, Phantom Thread romantic story and it's the like the shared secret of like their like little naughty play with each other <laughs> like all these things that are these recognitions of moments that the two of them share exclusively together even, that no one else understands the meaning of even your movie colin 40 45 years mm-hmm. yeah with the ending song oh um, yeah smoke yeah. it's in your eyes just crushes me every time yeah. <laughs> Nothing like uh, a good, nothing like a good romance. You know what I'm saying? Oh hell yeah! Um, should we move on to the categories? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's just tons of beautiful shots in this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Do we need to do but, the Oscars again? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but in terms of a tattoo, oh, the actual painting, oh, the sure. portrait of a lady on fire painting, is so beautiful. And the Criterion Blu-ray of this movie that I bought has, like, that the booklet is that painting. And Ooh. it's gorgeous. It's so, so beautiful. And you can and, like, get it right at the top of your butt crack so it looks like there's fire coming out of your ass. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that, it, like, it's, it's referenced in the movie, but you don't really get to see it. Like, there's just, like, a quick shot of it in the movie. But I think it's mm-hmm. it's like one of the most beautiful pieces in the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little light in the darkness of night. Exactly, and I like it's cool, like the shot where you actually see it happen, like where her dress does catch on fire, is a gorgeous shot. But like Marianne's recollection of it in a painting that she does presumably several years later mm-hmm. is just astounding to me. And I, like, I'm just, I was, oh, Yeah. uh, Tierney, you had a revelation. I did. I forgot I meant to say this earlier. Uh, So the conversation where they're talking about, um, like, where you first wanted to kiss me. Oh, yeah. um, And Mm. she's trying to get, Eloise is trying to get Marianne to guess, and Marianne can't guess. I personally think it's when she's playing on the rinky-dink-dink mini piano, and that is why the the orchestral piece at the end is so powerful to her. And I think that Marianne's is when she catches fire. And that's why she ends up painting that painting. Wow. 
That's my mm-hmm. interpretation. Love it. I love that. Love I it. I love that. And I think because everything kind of happens in pairs of mm-hmm. like they call out each other's tics or they have this like little these like moments that are individual but mirrored, I think that makes total sense. Especially because Eloise wants music and Marianne uh, loves paintings. And so the idea that they've like expressed those moments in these mediums makes total sense. I, yeah, that's canon. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, would you guys watch this on an airplane? Perhaps. Wait, I was going to say. Oh, sorry. You should, sorry, sorry. For the tattoo, you could get the blue cloak and the long coat with mm. the red dress. Yeah. Embracing, but with no bodies inside. Much, Much no, no body. Much no body. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like the best one for, for you, personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll get it tattooed on my shoulders yes. so that they never meet, so they can never see each other again. Oh, Aww. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Or my butt cheeks so they can <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> By clench. Um, yeah, would you guys watch this on an airplane? Perhaps. Yeah. I think I, I probably would. Um, I bought this on Criterion. I mean, I watched it on Hulu in the end because I'm not at home right now. But uh, I bought it on Criterion and I will be watching this movie more times. Which is surprising because I don't typically rewatch period pieces. But this movie is so good that I will be rewatching it. I think we, I mean, we talked about this already, but <clears throat> as I was watching it, I was like. I know that I loved the ending as I was watching it the second time. I was like, I know I love the ending, but why did I like a lot of this stuff at the beginning? But mm-hmm. I do think that like, this is one where the ending is just so, so, so strong that it does pick up for, and it, it, we all said this at the beginning, like we could probably trim 15 to 20 minutes off that first hour of the movie. But when you, by the time you get to the end of this movie, you're just like, fuck it, I don't even care that I had that extra 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, um, Would you guys spend time on this film set? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. I definitely would feel like I don't belong there, though. <laughs> like, oh, right. It's just like... I'll be like, I'll be outside. Uh, yeah. Let like, me know I'm, when you guys are done. Yeah, it's like, I just feel like it's just such an intimate movie that, like, I would just feel very out of place. Like, like, I don't belong here. I'm so sorry for intruding. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'd just be at the um, beach all day. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. would. (laughs) Just frolicking. (laughs) I thought the paint acting was very good in this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, nice. I like that you were bringing that around. How was the the piano acting, the rinky-dink-dink? I think they put the cloth on it so they didn't have to do it. Yeah, and from behind, I was, like, very, very acknowledging that, like, she's probably not playing this harpsichord. Yeah. Which is the first time we've called it by its real name, uh, which is a harpsichord, not a rinky-dink mini piano, but... I mean, yeah. you say that it's called a harpsichord. We all know the truth. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, but, yeah, I, I would spend time on the set, for sure. Okay, so we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the Oscars, but I do want to bring up one other thing that kind of came up in our discussion. Uh, the costumes are gorgeous. There's so good. So I thought about mentioning this earlier, but there's only each person only has one yes, costume. That is true. And the one that and ended I, up winning is Little Women, which is better. I agree that Little Women is better, but I do think that the costumes here are beautiful. Um, but you're right only that like they all two. they all wear the same thing, except for Eloise, who 
for the for most of the movie they're all wearing the same thing except for eloise who sometimes switches out of her navy blue dress into the green dress Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, Marianne is wearing the same dress all the time. Sophie's wearing the same outfit all the time. So, like, I understand. Even the mom. Even the, the mom, mom yeah, the is mom. always in that same yeah. blue dress. So, like, I understand, but they are beautiful. And, like, again, Little Women should have won. It did win. I don't have any qualms about that. But it was up against The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, like, The Joker. Irishman and Joker are just, like cool you found some suits left over from the 70s and put them on people like i don't fucking give a shit like this the costumes here granted they were not as like there were there weren't as many of them but like they were way better and their importance to the movie exactly what they serve for the movie is important because the blue dress is the one that lights on fire and the green dress is the one that's on the portrait and they're not the same eloise yeah so, that's my one thing, Fair. one additional thing on the Oscars, that I think it should that's have fair. at least gotten nominated. Okay. I, I agree that it shouldn't have won. Little Women was definitely better, but... And know. then the only other awards thing I, I like want to throw out... I time in Hollywood's costumes, too. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the, so, I just wanted to mention, this movie was nominated for a bunch of shit at the Caesar, Caesar Awards, the French Oscars yeah. that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I only want to bring this up because... The uh, the three women involved, um, Celine Siama, the director, mm-hmm. Adele Hanel, and I definitely am going to say her name wrong, but uh, Noemi, no. Naomi, I don't know how Naomi, to say that name. Probably. Uh, but those three women and one other person stormed out of the ceremony because they awarded they, they awarded best director to Roman Polanski. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So those those four women just got up and stormed it was out. Awesome! And there's Boss a video level. of it, and it's incredible. And um, I forgot Adele this. That as, it was them. Yeah, Adele Hanel, as she's leaving, screamed shame, mm-hmm. like in the in the crowd. Like as she's walking up and leaving, she screams shame, and then she was later filmed clapping sarcastically and shouting bravo pedophilia in french obviously but i can't speak french so i'm not gonna say that but like Mm -hmm. just iconic shit from all of those women just beautiful and like i didn't see whatever movie that he won for i guarantee it wasn't better than this movie so like yeah just I again, I, we don't have to talk a lot about it, but I needed to bring that up because those glad you did. Those women are just fucking bosses. Now we just Hold gotta on. wait for the women in Hollywood to do it. Anytime right. Woody well. Allen's nominated. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and one other quick thing that I just think is kind of interesting: Adele Hanel and Celine Siama were dating. Like they dated for a while. Oh, really? They did not. They they had been broken up for at least a year when they started working on this movie. Goal. Wow. Which I think is another interesting. Like I think like it seems like they have a very like healthy relationship. You know, like sometimes when you break up with somebody it is like a volatile situation, but it seems like they still have a very healthy relationship. They just like aren't like in a romantic relationship anymore. Uh, but I did think that was interesting. Like imagine like, put yourself in, like, Naomi's, what, again, I'm, yeah, it's just like, okay, so now I'm going to do, like, a very intimate scene with the director's ex-girlfriend, 
and we're all just hanging out and <laughs> just gonna mm-hmm. shoot this thing together probably be a little uncomfortable so good on them for powering through i guess yeah. and bringing us something truly outstanding <laughs> oh <Wow>. goodness <clears throat> all right <clears throat> portrait of a lady on fire great shit good job everyone great job um what have you guys been up to this week i'll go first because mine's pretty quick um i started the get down uh, uh the netflix show the get down boz lerman yeah a little Baz Luhrmann in the first episode, and then not very much Baz Luhrmann-y stuff uh, from there on out. I've only seen two episodes, but the first episode is an hour and a half, and the second one's an hour. Um, already very into it, uh, and it's already, like, <laughs> well, surprising. Don't how... get too into it, because they canceled it because it was too much money. <laughs> I know. But you know what? It wasn't. I looked up something, and they said that that was not true, that it was not the most expensive thing. And it doesn't look... Right, but like... I mean... I know, but it doesn't, uh, it looks like, like that era of Netflix where they were doing a lot of CGI, like, Mm -hmm. cover expenses. Um, even so, it's still, like, a beautiful show, and the amount of people that are in it that I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, uh, so many people. Shamik Moore from Dope. Dope! Uh, who plays the coolest character, um... Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen III is in it. Uh, Justice Smith, uh, who's been in a bunch of stuff lately, Detective Pikachu, Jurassic World. He was your your boy in Jurassic Park 5, right? Mm -hmm. Your favorite of the Jurassic Parks? Mm -hmm. I do think he's really good. He's really good in this, and I think he's really good in Detective Pikachu, which I think is a good movie. Um, Detective Pikachu is a cute movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. It's fine. Um, it's fine. It gave us Mewtwo. Um, <laughs> and uh, who else is in it? Oh, Giancarlo Esposito, Jimmy Smith. Um, Ooh, love uh, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jaden Smith, who's pretty good in it. Um, who else is in it? I don't know. A lot of people. And the music is great. The costumes are great. The, like, setup of the world is really cool where i was like oh i i was just expecting like uh a focus on disco because i really didn't know exactly what i was uh what it was i just knew it was in the 70s in the era of disco but like part of its disco part of it's like the rise of the hip-hop scene uh oh david diggs is (gasps) in it yes Uh, and it's just like a very cool story uh, that like captures the era really well and does it like in the same way the Joker is like 1970s New York basically this is actually 1970s New York the Bronx and it does it in a way that actually makes it feel like a real place that like you care about people in which is not the case for the Joker but uh, I'm only two episodes in very into it uh, and I'm very excited to watch more even though I know that it got cancelled uh, it's <laughs> nice. still worth it <laughs> So, uh, that's, I think, basically all I've watched. Yeah. But it's great. Very nice. Uh, you I want to go, go or you want me to go? I, I, I didn't do much this week. Uh, I watched the first, like, episode and a half of the Hemingway, Ken Burns Hemingway documentary. It's just, mm. I'm not really learning new information, and it is so slow <laughs> that I probably <laughs> won't watch anymore. It's 12 hours. Are what? you serious? It's six episodes, and each episode is two hours long. 
Holy Why fuck. does Ken Burns make so much? And there's things. just there's no need for it to be that long. Well, that's so that's the thing. I was gonna, like a lot of because Ken Burns documentaries is, are like, long. They're just reading some of his text, and it's like, right. just read the book. Yeah. So <laughs> like the the Ken Burns baseball documentary is ten hours long, but it also covers a hundred years worth of baseball. So I was like, okay, that's fine. You can be ten hours long, but I, I mean, like, it was like forty five years old. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that like, seems in the wildly second episode, he's already in Florida and going to Cuba where it's like he's gonna die in the next like 10 or 15 years <laughs> but anyway it's an interesting story um, I think Hemingway is very interesting but some people disagree and the point of the documentary is like the man versus the myth um, yeah and uh, it's also a very sad story he had a lot of very severe concussions and mental illness runs in his family Mm. um but anyway i could talk about him for ages uh probably not 10 hours though and then i also (laughs) watched uh i bought a rainforest which uh is a documentary that a photographer i like made i think like a year or two ago um his name is charlie hamilton james and he's i find him to be pretty funny because he just doesn't give a fuck um and it's kind of like refreshing in the like i don't know <clears throat> photography instagram world he just doesn't care um and it's kind of a story about conservation and how it is um i've heard him talk in interviews about it but it's basically like conservation as a principle is like a very white thing um because it it just looks at the environment and doesn't look at like the people um who are often impacted like they, this is the amazon rainforest so he buys land and there are people living on the land like growing co- coca plants and doing illegal logging because they have no other way to survive not mm. because they're bad people mm. um and so it just is an interesting look at uh conservation and environmentalism and the social issues issues surrounding it interesting mm. But he's also just a funny dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, so I've, I've watched a bunch of stuff. I won't talk about all of it, but, uh, I did watch everybody wants some. That movie is just pure vibes and those vibes are so good. (laughs) Matt, you rated that movie a three out of five on Letterboxd. So you don't hate it as much as you're, as you're making it out to me. I know, but that movie is boring. Uh, I also watched Children of Men on Friday. Have you Ooh. guys seen that recently? Because that movie still fucking owns. No, it's, it was going to be one of my picks for the, the like, uh... I'll watch it again. Festival. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. That movie's so good. <laughs> yeah, let's it had, do it. It had been several years since I'd watched it, and I watched Zero Dark Thirty, and there's a, a scene where a bomb explodes in London, and I was like, ooh, I should watch Children of Men again. <laughs> so that was how that happened. Uh, Children of Men, definitely better than Zero Dark Thirty. Children of Men, one of the greatest movies, I would say, of the last, like, 20 years. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And- somebody somebody posted a meme uh, of all of them in the car with, like, Julianne Moore smiling. And then it was, like, me and my friends after we're all vaxxed. <laughs> going out after all, we're all vaxxed. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> That's so... 
That's weird Inside because... Inside baseball. Well, and it's like, we all know what happens next. No, that's the point. That's the point. Is that, I is don't. Like, okay. I don't You've never know. seen it? No. Oh, <laughs> fuck. That's why I'm I just picking you, it. <laughs> I just thought you wanted to watch it because it's a dope movie. Holy shit. Okay, I yeah. won't say anything else. Now all I know of, a bomb goes I, off in London. It's, I mean, that's a like bomb goes off in London in like literally the first five minutes of the movie. It is it's not, the hook of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, um... Yeah, I watched it on Friday. Whenever we you decide to watch it, I will happily watch it again. It's so fucking good. Um, but other than that, I have now seen all the Oscar nominees. <gasps> Yay! For everything? For everything. I've seen it all. It was Wow. As of as of uh one o'clock this morning, I have seen everything. Yeah. So um, you don't have to go much. into huge detail, but how did you like my octopus teacher? It's good. I've heard it's great, and that it's a tearjerker. I was crying. <laughs> it's it's very sweet. Um, it's probably is it a SpongeBob spinoff? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I will say you don't need to be deep in the the uh, SpongeBob lore. Like I think yeah. the movie does a good enough job of like getting you the information you need. Because I stopped watching SpongeBob a long time ago, but I still felt like my octopus teacher did a really good job of like making me care about these characters even though i hadn't seen them in several years so yeah i heard it's the same as like you you can watch chronicles of riddick without having seen pitch black uh and you still basically get all the the meat (laughs) chronicles of riddick is so bad Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I will talk more or could talk more about Oscars. I'm actually thinking I might, I might blog more. Mm-hmm. Go for um, it. But I do want to recommend The Father. Um, mm. It's a $20 rental right now, which is pretty steep, but it is a pretty tough hang. But I think it's incredibly, really it's incredibly well made. Mm. Um like the story is I'll see you when um, it comes out on VHS. Nice. <laughs> uh the story is like Anthony Hopkins is suffering from dementia and Olivia Coleman plays his daughter. Ooh. And they're just like dealing with it. And I don't want to say too much, but like the way the movie is constructed is astounding. And, like, so, yes, it is hard to watch somebody suffer through dementia, but, like, the the movie itself is a very, very compelling watch, and it's a very compelling way to tell this particular story. You buried the lead with Olivia <clears throat> Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, she got nominated for an Oscar, so that's on you guys. Yeah, for but you should have just said it has <laughs> Olivia Coleman in it, and I would have been on board. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, of, of the, so I like kind of burned through like the remaining ones on my list, um, over the last few days, that's definitely the most noteworthy one. I, mm. both in addition to it's like nominated for best picture and several other things, but it just was the best that I watched. Um, so I would recommend that. And the only other one I would recommend is, um, Two Distant Strangers, which is a short film um, that I believe is on Netflix now. Um, so, oh. like, I watched all of the shorts. They, like, package them, um, and they're available on virtual cinemas. So, like, if you want to watch all of the nominated shorts, that's an option to you. But I think um, this one was really good. Um, it's, like, a – so it's, it was written by Trayvon Free, who wrote for The Daily Show. Um, 
Oh. And I think he writes for Samantha Bee's show now. But anyway, um, it's a time loop movie. It's a, it's a short film. It's like 25 minutes oh. long, but it's a time loop. But the time loop is that a black man keeps getting murdered by a police officer. Oh, God. <laughs> over and over and over. And it is, again, a tough hang. But it is, I, I thought it was, like, very, very well done. It's um, on Netflix? But it's, like... It's on Netflix. And, like, Trayvon Free is a comedian. Obviously, like, he wrote for The Daily Show. So, like, there are moments of humor in it. But it is what it is. And it's it's yeah. it's rough. Uh, but I will say the ending is very good. I thought. Um, so, yeah. I, I would recommend that one. And, like I said, it's, it's on Netflix and it's 25 minutes. So, it's a very... It's, like, it's a emotional commitment. But in terms of a time commitment, it's very minimal. So... Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I'm finished. 